Uh, we're, we're doing some um, sound testing here to see if we dampened uh, some of the echoes in our okay. super high-tech podcast studio in the heart of a very wealthy Los Feliz <laughs> or Los Feliz. How do how want to translate it? The happy or like... Счастливая деревня. Because it says no, Los Feliz Village. Happy Village. Счастливая деревня. Yeah. <laughs> We, 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 you know, we, our neighbors are, you know, we have some, some okay neighbors. Yeah, just, you know, regular people like Angelina Jolie and, um, what else? you know, just some people, just whatever, regular, regular people. Okay, you want to start? Yeah. <clears throat> do you want to do something a bit more official? Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, hey, uh, this is Yasha Levine and I'm here with Evgenia Kovda. Hello. And we are um, going to record episode two of our podcast. Um, long overdue. Oh, what's that? Long overdue. Long overdue. Yeah, we were supposed to record this podcast what, like two or three months ago. Um, At least a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, and, and then all sorts of things hit us. Uh, first, we, our um, our landlord sprung um, uh, good news that he's going to evict us, and so we've been fighting that. And then California and LA and Southern California were just hit by this crazy heat wave and insane uh, fires that basically made any kind of work uh, inside that inside our inside our apartment get which gets so hot it's like a it's like a sauna yeah we um, basically don't have like a central AC yeah so yeah we're yeah we don't have that and so we've been we've been putting it off and putting it off and finally we're doing it finally it's like one of the first days that it actually got, got it's a little cool in LA and the air quality isn't in like the danger zone today so it all works out. This, uh, this episode is kind of close to our hearts um, because it has to do with Soviet immigrants in America and it has to do with literature. Uh, two topics that we're yeah, generally we fond of. To, so we decided to narrow down the topic to the literature um, of the third wave immigration. And by third wave immigration, uh, like a Russian immigration is implied basically um, what is it like a 19, from 1970s to late 1980s yeah. time frame yeah um, With it, which is the wave that I, the, the wave that I came out, came on I mean there's a, there's you know like whatever historians or whatever they talk three waves of immigration the first one is after the revolution after the Russian revolution so it's all the white Russians all the people who fled um, fled the revolution so yeah you have a lot of aristocrats you have of course the you know, Anastasia, who's still alive, and um, <laughs> who just waited to take her throne back um, from Vladimir Putin. Not, not her, but probably her descendants, because people believe that. What I if think. she's still alive? No, she did. What if she's uh, magic powers from um, that uh, keeping her youthful? She should be like 120. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's but she's magical, you know. Anyway, yeah. so that's anyway, the first, yeah. first wave. So the first wave is the Russian Revolution. The second wave is the. Uh, uh, during and, and after uh, World War, uh, the Second World War. So you have a lot of people who were just displaced generally um, by the war, but also you have a lot of people who uh, were, uh, ended up collaborating with, with, the Nazi, with Nazi Germany and, uh, and, uh, and um, sort of we couldn't return back to the homeland and ended up going to Europe and then making their way uh, back to, uh, to America, to Canada. And of course, there were a lot of uh, survivors of, of the Holocaust. So a lot of, uh, a lot of um, um, Soviet immigrants uh, came from, um, you know, from, they went through these displaced persons camps after the war, and then they ended up in America, in New York, in Canada. Um, and then the third wave was like, came in the final, 
uh, years of the Soviet Union or in the final decades of the Soviet Union. So yeah. in the beginning in the 70s when, when uh, the Soviet Union started basically kicking out people, some, you know, it, it, people came out in different ways. Yeah, mostly Jews, by the way. But yeah, mostly Jews, but, but also, but people were kicked out for basically, for basically being dissidents or for being sort of poets and, and, kind of, and just basically being anti-Soviet and, and, and radical, right? I mean, that's how yeah. Lomonov got kicked, came from the Soviet sort of, Union, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and so, and so you had this kind of mixture in, in the 1970s, starting the 1970s and 1980s, which is that you had a, some dissidents um, being kicked out that weren't Jewish, but mostly it was a Jewish uh, wave of immigration out of the Soviet Union. And that's the wave that I came on at the very last, uh, at, very, at the very end, in 1989, when like the wave turned into a tsunami. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. you were pretty much in the very very end, uh, yeah. very end of it. And just to full disclaimer, so and I'm considered I guess by all standards the fourth wave. Yeah. Someone even starts talking about the fourth wave, yeah. even though it's not like a real periodization. And fourth wave, my interpretation of it is just mostly professional professionals and mostly um, Russian programmers. Yeah. And the pro Russian the brides. The tech the tech wave. So the tech wave and the brides. Yeah, the brides. I'm the bride. Yeah. <laughs> I have a cousin who's a programmer at Google. So, I mean, I fully fit into the fourth wave. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, and so basically, it's people... Um, I mean, I think what differentiates the fourth and the third wave in a big way, I mean, psychologically, is that the third wave left thinking that they'd never be able to go back to the Soviet Union because the Soviet Union was still... And uh, had to be stripped of their citizenship. Yeah, they were stripped of their citizenship, and they kind of... they in, in, in my family's minds, in my parents' minds, and, you know, it was just a one-way trip out of the Soviet Union. There's no going back, uh, ever. And so... Um, And so, of course, but the fourth wave is different because it's Russia and you can, you can have dual citizenship, you can move back and forth. You're f frequently, um, I mean, at least in, in America, uh, it's not, it's not um, you're frequently privileged. Of course, there are a lot of people who kind of aren't and, and, and come poor and, and looking for work and sometimes are even not even documented, you know. Um, there are a lot of those, actually. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, you know, work at, you know, Russian grocery stores and things oh, like, like that. like waitresses and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, so, but it's mostly a privileged professional class kind of migration. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, I mean, in Europe, it's probably a little different because you have people, look again, looking for work. And so it could be a little, it, it could be, uh, it, so it's not just the professional class, but mo the fourth wave is pretty much but professional class. But fourth wave class. to America is pretty because specifically if we, we talk about America, yeah. more, more so. I mean, I'd say almost like expats rather than... Um, Like they're expatriated because they can come back anytime, and, and and many of them do. Yeah, or not come back, or they can move then to a third country, which I know of people like they move here and then they don't like it and they move to London or whatever. Yeah. So they're definitely way freer in their movements than third wave or or any other waves ever. Yeah. Actually, ever have been. So it's more of a traditional kind of uh, immigration, I guess, because the Soviet Union immigration was 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 different because you couldn't go back. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. but that just. So we're going to talk about um, the third the, wave. Yeah, third wave. But we're going to dip into the first wave. I mean, I think I think mm -hmm. right because we're, we're look. It's like this. I mean, what really triggered this episode um, is like. I started thinking about this stuff, and I and I was looking at my peers or, or our peers, you know, people who are, were came of age, um, you know, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, really, like more, more or less. And I was trying to figure out if people of my generation have, like, what kind of literature have, has, have they produced, you know, these Soviet immigrants, um, and have they produced anything actually good or um, worth worth even <laughs> talking about? And I was surprised, you know, that like there isn't really much out there that you can really count as like is great literature or is good even good literature, uh, or, or like good cultural output. And it was and I, it kind of surprised me because I think you know 
pretty much every generation, every so every so wave of immigration out of Russia, from the first to the second, um, and even the beginning of the third wave, um, produced some produced good literature. Produced you know sometimes very good literature, um, and but my generation or our generation of Soviet immigrants and Russian immigrants is just is just kind of bland and kind of just forgettable and pathetic and 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 actually kind of you know has these actually malicious and um um kind of undertones that we'll get into like in terms of in terms of like what do they write about and, and how they how they what the, the kind of world they construct in, in their literature and so we decided to kind of do an try to do an episode of that yeah, time and unravel we, some of the yeah, stuff yeah but initially why okay yeah we got interested in it but partially because i think it was me i had this hypothesis that after we started doing research it was definitely you seemed to be proved true so i was thinking why the hell these people are so uninteresting and like unexciting <laughs> so and I realized that so actually the dominant majority of this so-called writers uh, are pretty much pandering to just American audience and not just American audience but like American Empire and um, they do write frequently about the their motherland the Russia basically or, or Soviet the Union yeah. or Soviet Union but they write it in in a way that actually pretty much no Russians uh, are not even interested in reading because there's actually no insights and um, and I thought why is it so and it seems that again because of I don't know, it's, it might be subconscious, uh, it's not necessarily intentional, but that kind of pandering, what it does, it makes them repeat uh, all sort of cliches that Americans already constructed around that space. And that's by that space, I mean both Soviet Union and Russia, because there seems to be a continuum, actually, in their heads, uh, in the in the narrative. And that's it. And that's it just full of different cliches, kind of like stringed together in um, slightly different narrative, narrative forms. Yeah. And... There's very little beyond that there. Sometimes, obviously, there's like some interesting, I don't know, half story or turn of phrase, but generally there's completely, it's yeah. really uninteresting. And then me and Yasha got together and started thinking, okay, so, okay, if it is just full of cliches, so what are these cliches? Yeah, and what are which, the tropes that they're using? Yeah, yeah, what are the tropes? And so we want to like trace them. Yeah, because, yeah, because it's funny, because yeah. like, you actually, uh, if you actually survey this stuff, it's almost like as if... Like by the rule book, right? Yeah, there's a rule book and it's almost like a, you know, like an, a, com- a computer algorithm or something um, that like will will change the setting, will change the kind of the tone, will change names. the uh, will change the <laughs> yeah. yeah like the sometimes it'll be comedic comic, sometimes it'll be you know nonfiction or memoir and political, um, but like um, you know it'll be in different times, it'll be you know set in different periods, but like it's always um, like it'll output like the same kind of tropes and cliches always, you know, and it's, and, 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 and the same kind of observations about, um, the Russian people, uh, the Soviet Union, um, and, um, and it's, it was kind of, it's just actually pretty surprising. And like, and I think there's, I mean, there's, we have a list somewhere, right? That we sort of threw up there. I have it. You want to, you want to, you want to read it out? (laughs) Yeah, the consistency, obviously we slightly simplified, but not much. And it's pretty consistent across the writers we'll get to. So, okay. So what we gleaned from (laughs) reading and for years here and there are different books by these writers. So we gleaned that. Russian women are whores. Russian men are thugs and criminals. Russia, in general, or Soviet Union, it was and is a gulag and police state. Uh, Russians themselves are peasants <laughs> that cannot be really helped. 
Russians also are genetically geared to love dictators and tsars and just do, yeah. just do they somehow love authoritarianism. Yeah, they're not ready for democracy. No. Yes. It's like goes back governed, to Chekhov. They're not, they're not made to work self-rule, basically. That's why they love, yeah. Well, they're like basically slaves inside. Yes. It's like some kind of mind thing. Anyway, and uh, there's, and the last one we mentioned, like, yeah, we have it. It's pretty dark and this is actually seemed to be huge now and in Russia too. So Soviet Union, uh, was like or even worse than Nazis or yeah. the Nazi Germany yeah um, I mean there, yeah, I think those are the principal ones there's probably more there are more um, yeah. yeah but like yeah that's right the Soviet Union is basically Nazi Germany um yeah, and 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 that like oh yeah, there's like the corruption, everything everything about Russia is. No, if not worse, because at least Nazi Germany did horrible stuff to the other people. Yes, there's this That's argument, the, BS. the liberal argument, and the Soviet Union did it to their own people. Yes, exactly. So, so, so there, the, the, the Soviets are worse than the Nazis because they they didn't just kill the other, they killed their them their, their, their themselves, oh, like or their own. Put their own people in gulag. Well, we're going to talk about probably the, the kind of the, the handful of big names. So we're talking about Gary Steingart. We're talking about Masha Gessen. We're talking. About Keith, Keith Gessen, we're talking about, um, who the hell are we talking about, who else? Well, Peter Pomerantsev. Oh, Peter Pomerantsev, um, there's, who else, is that it? No, where's our list? Oh my God, we, we can't even remember who we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's right, so I mean, so, I mean, there's gonna be some maybe other minor ones, but so these, these are the, are big, the big ones, ones. so we're talking, like, I'll just repeat, so. Uh, uh, Two Gessens. Yeah, the, the Gessen <laughs> family, yeah, the Gessen Mafia. Um, Peter Pomerantsev, uh, who had this huge book in 2014 um, that everyone was talking about, uh, and then uh, Gary Steingart. And if you actually look at and analyze their body of work and their books, you'll see like they have all the the exact same cliches and tropes, and that they and they are like and they just bleed off of almost every single page. I mean, some people are better than others, um, but like but but on the whole. Their work is just impregnated with these caricatures of Russia and the Soviet Union. Yeah, I, uh, she's not on the list, but Julia Yaffe would like be definitely in their company, except that she's not like an editor. She's never published they are. a she's book. Not a fictional yeah. writer. Yeah, and, and she and she doesn't even have a memoir. You know, I think or or something close to to. to she, she's never written a book. So, sorry, Julia, you're you're off the list. Off the we'll, list. We'll come back when you publish something. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's get yeah let's get going because it's like we we I feel like we're like we're, we're setting, stuck right we know we're setting we're like stuck yeah we're setting it up like uh, in a huge way so what do you how do you think we should proceed uh, I'm just so rusty at this that I'm like um, well because that's the whole thing I was more into it like two months ago <laughs> I know well, you know it's, so yeah. we're sort of rusty but yeah. um, because it sort of has to be of the moment you know podcasting I, I I think look I think like this yeah I know podcasting has to be in the moment has to be has to be natural but but. But not always. It's not a lecture. Come on, not always. There's people who produce their podcasts pretty seriously. Well, their whole production. that's not me, honey. I know it's not me either. I'm too much of a scatterbrain. <laughs> so it's not like. I, I okay, think I, I think we should do quotes. Well, okay, I'll just start with the first person because I think uh, um, I think Masha. I'll start with Masha Gessen. Um, yeah, you were really digging deep into well, her. Just, well, I just I've been following her work obviously like a lot of people. She's a bit problematic because she she's not a novelist. I mean, we primarily. In sense. Yeah, in the traditional sense, and primarily we. Are talking about people who wrote novels or some some kind of literature, and she's primarily a nonfiction writer, uh, and you know, kind of, but most of her nonfiction stuff is is memoir uh, as well. So, um, so, but but I think I want to include her because she um, I want to include her in this list of Soviet immigrant writers uh, of our generation because. She's so she, prominent. Yeah, she's so huge. She's such a huge power in American culture. I mean, she's always called by our liberal establishment 
to interpret Russia, to interpret the Soviet Union, to interpret Russian history. And she's kind of like, and people really, really respect her. She's a, just a force, you know? I mean, she's, I mean, she's in, she's, uh, I think, consults in docu- for documentaries. I mean, she's, she's like everywhere, right? Yeah, and actually we have a friend, because I don't want to cl- claim that I coined it. We have a friend who refers to her as a court Russian, yeah. which she's truly a court Russian, summoned up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like the, I like that. I like that. To explain things. Yeah, she, she's, well, she's like, she serves in the court, in the sort of the liberal establishment court of opinion and of and she's sort of brought up to to uh, to pontificate about you know sort of Russian affairs and Soviet affairs and for the court she's like but, an ambassador but I, I, yeah. I like the, I like I like his term but I think it's actually not very um, accurate because she's I don't think she would even consider see herself as Russian I mean she would consider herself as, as, as a Jew and so she would probably be a court Soviet Jew we'll be away for a second because one of the things we also discovered which is died was like open in the face but it never really give it a thought because the nature I guess of the third wave immigration which is mostly Jewish outside of a few dissidents who are like kicked out and some of them landed in America as well uh, majority of this like literati types there are Soviet Jews and I mean I'm half Soviet Jew too but I never I guess the way I grew up I never thought so uh, most of those people and the ones that we're talking about for sure they're actually pretty much like kind of like Jewish nationalists and mm-hmm. they're very much like um, I don't know exalting almost like their Jewish identity over the Russian any Russian one they have even though they're Russian speakers most of them don't know Hebrew or Yiddish <laughs> and grew up with a secular se- grew up pretty much secular just because of the, na- the nature of the I mean, Soviet like Union me. they're society. like me and you yeah, yeah they're like me and us but, uh, but I don't know whether they genuinely like that or they're just pandering again to the Americans but they're very kind of have this anti-Russian sentiment pro-Jewish and they're at least openly their Jewish identity is super like strong anyway and so yeah they probably don't even like call, being called Russians yeah. right because they look down on Russians in a weird way so yeah. anyway so and uh, pretty much all these big names I like that yeah and their sentiment is the same yeah in fact it's it's it kind of it's all of the yeah, all of the authors that we're going to be talking about right in you know right now um, are Jewish. Uh, yeah. yeah and, and since we already went there, I just for a second I want to say we were thinking like, oh, okay, they didn't produce anything interesting. But then I started reading um, how like American magazines, American press writes about them, and it seems like there is this I mean, semi-consensus that basically Soviet Jewish writers invigorated the American Jewish writing tradition. Mm. So they sort of replaced um, basically the <laughs> Philip Roths yeah. of back in the day and now they are the ones who are sort of responsible for the Jewish stories, Jewish narratives gotcha. just from a slightly different angle and they're some kind of like, somewhat like Stangers like that. anyway, they're hailed for that. So they're actually seen as like a, a Jewish American authors because, because yeah. the previous generation of, of, of Jews in America basically completely Completely assimilated, and so Ooh, yeah. and so the last generation that was able to sort of suck any kind of cultural value out of that and exploit it for their own careers was like the, the Philip Roths. The dead. <laughs> they're they're dead. I mean, yeah. or like even like you know Woody Saul Allen Bello. or, or yes, yeah, Bella Woody Allen, you know, still alive, but basically. Oh yeah, I shouldn't say yeah, he's still alive. No, but it, it, whatever. But he might as well be dead because he's he's um in first of all he's canceled and second of all. Um, <laughs> Second of all, he's, he's just on you know. His way out, yeah, he's like his his, his prime is over, so he's not really creating any new any new material. But like, but so you know, you you need to sort of uh, the, the the Soviet Jews injected a new kind of Jewish Jewish identity from the old country mm-hmm. and new stories too and new stories and so um, yeah and so like they're yeah, they they kind of play an interesting role. They're like immigrant writers, but also in a way. 
um, inheritors of, a, of, of, of an actually kind of an already an established genre, which is Jewish um, American li literature and, yeah. and culture. So um, they kind of fit into the mold. Anyway, there's and, sort and of... That's a, I'll get to that because I think yeah. it's hard, sorry to interrupt you. I, I actually that, think it's important that you brought it up because I want to get to that with, with Gary Steingart because I think he actually, he almost consciously, very consciously fills that role. Oh, for sure, but, yeah. But, but I'll go, get Masha first. Yeah, but so, so Masha is like, is, she's, I mean, she's interesting. Um, she's by far the, uh, one of the more like complicated, um, you know, um, sort of uh, individuals in, in our list. 